What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. You know, we're going to do something different today. Normally, when I do these podcast advertisements, I don't have the guests in the studio with me, or if they are in the studio with me, they're kind of just looking at me funny when I'm talking about Black Rifle Coffee and I'm talking about SIG, because sometimes, you know, maybe they don't have experience with one or the other, but this guy that I've got in front of me, who is also going to be the guest on the actual podcast, not just the ad space, he shot SIGs before, and he's currently drinking Black Rifle Coffee. So I've got Eric Frankie with me. He's a good buddy of mine. He's U.S. Forestry Service Law Enforcement, and uh, he's drinking some coffee. So what do you got there? I've got some AK Blend. You got some AK Blend. Yeah, yes. guys, if, if uh, you don't know, AK Blend is a good Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, it falls somewhere between the Silencer Smooth, which is the lightest blend, and then the Murdered Out. You drinking it straight up black? No, I got a little bit of the, I think it's Chobani sweet cream in it. Real? It's delicious. Wow, that's bougie. That's it is. super bougie. Um, it is. You know, Jack Carr likes his coffee with honey. Um, I might have to try that sweet cream, but, you know, I'm trying to cut some weight. <laughs> Guys, uh, if you want, go to blackriflecoffee.com. Black Rifle Coffee is located over in Salt Lake City. If you want to swing by there, you can pop in. They'll make you a cup of coffee that'll allow you to do magical things. Uh, their coffee is pretty pretty damn strong, especially when they brew it in front of you. Or you can just go blackriflecoffee.com, use our coupon code CRAFT15, and that'll get you uh, 15% off of your orders. Certain things you're not going to be able to get, like uh, some of the ready-to-drink cans, which have you tried those before? Those, I have, yeah. Those That's normally nuts. my go-to for traveling. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, it's convenient that you don't have to brew it. They taste pretty damn good. Um, you know, we take them to all the events that we go on. And the funny thing is, like, we might start off with, like, a case of 24 to hand off to people. By the time we get to the event, we're down to, like, oh, 16. Yeah. You know, I don't, I can't say where those go. But, you know, I'll just tell you that I turn them to pee. Um, so, guys, BlackRifleCoffee.com. Good, good friends. They're over uh, in Salt Lake City. Check them out. They're all over the place now. They're opening all sorts of new stores. And even if you're going to one of our training events down in Spanish Fork, there's a new Black Rifle Coffee that was just opened up by the folks from Ready Gunner, also good friends, uh, right off of Route 6. So please check those guys out. Now, another company that makes this podcast po uh, possible for you is Sig Sauer. Uh, currently, we got some folks driving up to Sig, doing an event up there. And uh, I've been a big fan of SIG for many, many years. Uh, Eric and I were just talking about the 365, which you said your wife just picked up. Yep. And I mean, it's a great concealable uh, compact or I mean, I guess you could call it a subcompact pistol, but the damn thing is pretty capable. It I mean, is. Have it's you a, shot with her yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice gun. Is she a ringer with that thing or what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If uh, if you can get the flat trigger for it, it's something that they sell on the SIG website. And it breaks perfectly at vertical. That thing, I mean, you you blink and it goes off. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those uh, upgrades that doesn't require new springs or anything like that. Guys, uh, Sig Sauer, not only do they make great firearms, they've got a good training academy. It's up in New Hampshire. It's the uh, the Sig Academy, sigacademy.com. I've got some really good friends over there that I still you know chat with every so often. Uh, Dylan Kennison, Chris Cavallero, shout out to you guys. Uh, good, good buddies. And uh, highly, highly recommend training with those guys. Other, everything from pistol to rifle to precision rifle to shotgun to med. Best class in the world is bullets on vehicles where you get to basically do drive-bys at the end of the course. And you get to shoot into a vehicle, shoot out of the vehicle, learn the effects of bullets on vehicles, hence the name. It's awesome. Um, has your department thought about switching or have they not? To SIG? Yeah. 
No, I think they just adopted the uh, the Glock 17M uh, recently. Well, maybe so. they will change their mind. Who knows? Perhaps. Yeah. Well, guys, check them out. Sig, uh, sighour.com and sigacademy.com. So we're going to get down to business here. But again, thank you so much, Black Rifle Coffee. Thank you so much, Six Hour, for making this podcast possible. Here we go. Guys, uh, this podcast, here's a little disclosure. We're not perfect at Fieldcraft, right? We get some things right. We might occasionally screw up here and there. Well, I had this podcast guest on the podcast before. I actually called him because he you know, lives a couple hours away. And somewhere in the 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 weeds, we lost it. I don't know what the hell happened to it. And I was so ticked off because we had a great time. Uh, Eric and his family showed up to a, an event that we had at headquarters uh, a while back. And then he told me, he's like, hey, by the way, if you ever want to do a ride along, let's do a ride along. And I was like, absolutely. So we did this ride along. Uh, we checked out uh, Flaming Gorge. We, we drove all throughout the National Forest. And then, uh, you know, I've got him on the podcast. And the next thing you know, I'm like, hey, guys, where's the podcast? They're like, oh, we can't find it. And I was like, you bastards. Um, I couldn't believe that I we lost it. So enough time has passed. He's had a crazy summer of being a forestry uh, service law enforcement guy and also looking out for the wildfires that have been taking place uh, out west. So not only can we talk about all the other stuff that we did before, but we've got some new experiences. So, dude, number one, I'm sorry. That, That's all right. <laughs> you know, I felt so bad. I'm like, I wasted, what, 45 minutes, an hour of a time? And, and what do we have to show for it? But if we screw this one up, I promise you, you will have free reign to punch me straight in the dick. If I ever, ever screw this one up uh, again, just punch me right there. So how all are right. you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, you're I'm you're he, you're here joining us at Heber. You're in uniform, so let's let's talk about your uniform. Who are you working with? Where are you working? All that background info, so these re, uh, yeah readers, so these listeners uh, know who we're talking to. Yeah, so uh, I work for the U.S. Forest Service, uh, law enforcement officer for them, um, based out of northeastern Utah in the Ashley National Forest, and uh, yeah, my day to day is just up there in the woods helping people out trying to keep things from going too crazy. And before we get too far, your career uh, was not always in the forestry service. Prior to this, you were in the Marine Corps, right? Correct, yeah. Can you kind of give like a brief synopsis of your history there? Yeah, uh, spent nine years in the Marine Corps. First little bit, I was as a military policeman. Did one deployment there and pretty much immediately got recruited into EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, and uh, Spent the rest of my time there. I guess it was probably seven and a half years and uh, a few more deployments. Well, a couple more deployments. We had three deployments and uh, and got out and uh, moved up to Montana where I met our mutual friend, Clay Croft. Yes, we'll talk and, about Clay uh, in a second. <laughs> and uh, worked as a deputy sheriff up there um, with the goal of getting into the forest service doing law enforcement. So now deputy sheriff in that role, I mean, obviously they, they probably looked at your military police experience and were like, Hey, this guy's got the experience. Uh, as a deputy, do you still have to go through like police Academy and all that? Or do they, can they just yeah. do what they do on the TV shows and the movies where they're like, Hey, here's your badge. Go. No. Well, <laughs> Montana's kind of funny in that regard. Um, I did have to go through the Montana law enforcement Academy, but I went through field training first and then I was the, in Montana, you just have to go to the academy within a year of your hire date. 
So, so I, could, was, I was on the road for almost a year before what? I ever went to the academy. Man. Lucky for fun. me, we had a, a great field training program. So, it, you know, it was good. So um, if things were to, to, you know, pop off, you'd be technically. You're still going. Responding. Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. The only, I think the only thing you couldn't do was a DUI on your own. Um, and for obvious reasons, that's, that's a little more into the weeds than you're going to get mm -hmm. just, I mean, I had a little bit of experience with it going through field training, but not enough to be able to run one by myself. You so. know, I, I've said it on previous podcasts and I'll say it again. If there's any sheriff service out there that wants to deputize a whole bunch of field craft employees, we would love that just for the ability to carry anywhere in the country. Uh, not everyone in the company has reciprocity in every single state. And I would just love to, to just get deputized. Even if you put me behind a desk and just say, Hey, you know, basically be Farva from like super troopers, uh, just to, just to have that ability to like go anywhere, you yeah. know? So yeah, if you guys are listening and you have a connection, just saying, I will help. Don't think like I'm looking to, to just get a, a permit to carry anywhere. Like, like I said, I'll, I'll get behind a desk. I'll take some calls. I mean, I can't guarantee that, you know, I'll, I'll follow all the rules. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have that experience, but I'll try. Um, so in any case, you joined the forestry service and yep. what was the greatest difference from doing your work as a sheriff in Montana to joining the forestry service? Uh, it's a lot slower pace for sure. It's less stressful. Um, you're not tied to a radio all the time. So mm -hmm. you're kind of, you're out, you're looking for your work. Um, which obviously you did as a deputy as well, but um, as a deputy sheriff, you're constantly listening to the radio and like just listening for calls to propping up. And, you know, if you're close to it, you're probably getting assigned that whole thing. Or if you, you know, you generate some paperwork, you get back to the office, mm -hmm. try and get your paperwork done. All of a sudden you get sent to another call. Like it's just the nature of, of the, uh, the job. So the, uh, the forest service is, I mean, I, I run through the county dispatch and more often than not, they don't know what I'm doing or where I'm at. Cause I mean, they're, they're, they're working the, all the traditional law enforcement stuff. And so like, if I get a status check, it's like, you know, they might ask where I'm at and I'll be like, you know, let them know. And they're like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. They just don't know. I mean, a lot of the places I'm at. In that Ashley national forest, how many acres or miles are you looking out for i mean because i remember on that ride along you're like oh this is my area too and this is my and we were driving for hours yeah yeah so the ashley i want to say is just shy of 1.4 million acres oh my god and it's and, just you right well we do have an officer on the flaming gorge oh okay so, so just, just two of you guys for 1.4 yeah, million acres he, right he covers the flaming gorge and kind of the north north side of the ashley and then i've got everything from the green river uh to if you're familiar with hannah mm -hmm. okay so all the way out there to the the west fork of the Duchesne, and then south unit towards like Price. So wow. it's it's a massive area. Yeah, and on that ride along, for just to kind of recap what we did, you know, I met up with with Frankie, uh, and you know, he's like, okay, we're gonna go in, we'll fill out the paperwork, and we we drove around, and you know, he's pointing out little things here and there, like, hey, one of the issues that we have are our squatters, you know, and listen, one of the beautiful things about national forests is that you're allowed to utilize the resources, right? It's a, it's public land. Um, but there are sometimes where people want to exploit that where, how long are you allowed to stay? 
Uh, it's different kind of depending on what forest and what state and all that stuff. But the general rule is either 14 days or 16 days for the Ashley. It's 16 days. At the end of 16 days, you have to pick up, move five road miles, and then you can stay another 16 days. Um, there's some forests that, um, I was just back in California earlier this, this -hmm. summer and, um, out there, they were saying, uh, they get. I think it's 30 days in a year. Oh my God. Um, but they could only stay 14 days at a time, but you only, you know, they, if they catch you at going staying longer than that 30 days in a year, then I guess you can get a ticket for that. Um, so there's different forests will have different regulations. So you'd, if you're going into an area to do this dispersed camping or even staying at a campground, you really need to check with that local forest. Yeah. So when we were driving around too, another thing you said was just, people that are just littering and abusing the, the resources, cutting the trees illegally. Right. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a common problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the sanitation is probably one of the more common issues I deal with on my forest. Just people with messy camps, whether it's used toilet paper blowing around that's or the grossest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got people, you know, the surface dump is a popular one. Oh God. <laughs> it's pretty savage. Um, but then like, you know, people, might use their RV, right? When they're mm-hmm. parked up there, use the facilities. They're coming off the mountain. They decide just to crack that little valve while they drive down. So, you know, they're so just kind of freaking gross dumping it the whole way down the mountain. We see that from time to time. And you know, it, yeah. So let's think about this one for a second. Cause we obviously have a lot of uh, folks that listen to this that are into mobility, right? right? And people wonder, they're like, well, you know, it's just the you know, what can we do to the, to the dust? And they're like, Oh, it's just part of the experience. Drive with your windows down. And it's like, well, if you're driving through an area where someone's doing a roll and dump like that, probably not the best thing in the world. So keep your windows closed. And, yeah. uh, man, that's gross. Uh, but you, you know, so much of it, when we were driving around too, you're, you were saying like my, my domain is like the forest. And you right. were saying that you, people misconstrue forestry service. You're not dealing with hunting and fishing right like that's more not directly not directly right yeah so we've got we've got about five statutes that we can enforce but they're basically adopting state law so like um again it's going to come kind of down to your area and what the the preference is between local law enforcement and you i mean we're maintaining a relationship there um because it's it's shared jurisdiction um so there's there's certain crimes that the state looks at as as a crime that the federal government doesn't really have a way to handle like domestics, mm-hmm. DUIs, that kind of stuff. So I don't have um, a deputization through my county, so I don't have the ability to enforce state law. Um, wow. There's some forest officers that do have deputization, and so they can write state law uh, under their state authority. Um, and that's something my my county's great. They have offered it to me Mm -hmm. and what it really comes down to is I've been a deputy and you know, if I still wanted to be doing the deputy stuff, I'd, I'd still be doing it. Um, so I, I just really like my piece of the pie. And so I try and keep it pretty clean there. I mean, on one hand, it sounds like the job is, is a dream job because you have so much autonomy to, to go where you need to go patrol when you need to patrol, uh, you know, look into things when you need to and, you know, it's, I remember you saying that your supervisor respects you and trusts you, which believe me, when you're in a position where your boss is constantly micromanaging you, it's the worst, worst thing in the profession. Right. Right. Um, but on the other hand, 
yes, you have all this autonomy. You, you can be in the woods. You love it. You're a one man band. Yeah. And the response time, if you were to call for help could be what? Half hour, 45 minutes. I mean, would they come in with a helicopter? Best case scenario is probably 45 minutes. If oh I'm like, Oh my God. If I'm on the forest, you know, not just like hanging out on the boundary. If be- I'm on the forest, it's going to be a minute. Because one of the other things that we we talked about, you were like, yeah, you know, we have a, a lot of vehicles in our fleet that we can utilize. You were saying that you have motorbikes, you've got your truck, you've got uh, on the Ashley, there's an airboat, right? Or not an airboat. A uh, We don't have an airboat. I believe the sheriff's office up on okay. the Flaming Gorge has one. All right. Yeah. And, but I mean, you have so many, I mean, you even have horseback, right? Yes. Yeah. That's why I spent a, a week in the wilderness just shoot just a couple weeks ago. I was up there for a week with the state game wardens, just patrolling, checking tags and making contacts. So, I mean, again, you have all this autonomy, you have all these toys. I mean, you're basically like a, like, like an action figure with all the cool toys that you can put the figure in, you know, but on the flip side of that coin, if something bad happens, you need to get people to where you are, maybe by horseback. Potentially. Yeah. That is absolutely insane. So, I mean, I guess you just have to kind of take the good with the bad, but I mean, it seems like with what you're doing and the way that you talk about it when we were, when we were out and about that, the benefits outweigh the negatives. Oh yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we experienced when we were on that, that, uh, ride along, when we were driving through that one area, we met up with, um, a guy, an older gentleman who was looking for sheds. Oh, remember that? He was picking up trash. Yeah. yeah, He was picking up trash. And then we met up with another group and they were like, oh yeah, you know, our, our grandfather was, was looking for, you know, whatever. And he ended up finding one half of a, of a moose. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was so cool because it wasn't like you were harassing him. You're like, Hey man, just making sure you got your tags. And he did. And then you're like, Hey, do you want to ride back up? Which meant that I had to go on the back where like the prisoner cages <laughs> appreciate that. Um, but then, you know, we, we met up with him and you get to experience meeting some really cool folks. I mean, do you have a, do you have an experience of meeting someone out, out in the, the wilds that you're like, wow, that was just a great positive experience. Uh, something that you had a great positive takeaway from. Do you have something that sticks? Yeah. Out? I mean, well, I don't know if I have one that sticks out. Um, I have countless, well, either highly entertaining or just great encounters with people. Hey, I mean, some, it's, someone right now is listening to this yeah. and they, they want to be entertained. So, yeah. So what do you um, got? Man. <laughs> uh, or maybe you can't even say certain ones. Some because, of them, some of the, yeah. some of the good ones I probably ought not to, but okay, so, um, so, I did, we, ha- we had one guy, um, I got a call from my district ranger when I was, mm-hmm. I was planning on going one place for the day and he called me up. He's like, where are you at? And I was like, Oh, I'm just getting ready to up, you know, up, up the mountain. He's like, well, we got a guy that's stuck up at Ashley twin. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And he's like, he got his camper stuck in there. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause like Ashley twin is, we didn't take that road, but it's yeah. arguably one of the worst on the forest. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look it up while you're talking. It's terrible. Um, and so he's like, he's stuck up there with his camper. And I'm thinking, how on earth does anyone get a camper up there? And, uh, ended up being a teardrop, a very heavy teardrop. It's like a 4,000 pounder. So something uh, like a, basically uh, like a king size bed on the inside. Like, and like, like an airstream. No, 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 no. More like, um, Oh, like those little buddy little. Tr- yeah. 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 So it's yeah. like a king size bed inside. That's it. 
you can, it's really low. You kind of crawl mm-hmm. in through a little door and then the back opens up and like, there's a whole kitchen and everything. Yeah. Yep, I know uh, this. Yeah. Anyways. So he got himself stuck in there and, and the district ranger told me he's at the end of the road. And I'm like, okay, okay. We can get in there. And, uh, the guy had been up there a couple days, you know, he got stuck, was up there a couple days, came down and, uh, got back to cell service. He dropped the trailer. He couldn't get the trailer out. Mm-hmm. It was stuck. But he had a Jeep, managed to get that around the trailer and drive back out. And so he called me and we left his Jeep at the bottom. I said, just jump in with me. If we can get this thing out, we'll get it out. Um, if not, it's going to be an expensive tow. Oh, <laughs> and uh, so like we drive up there and as we're driving up, I'm like, because his buddy, he, he was telling me every week or every year, he's a firefighter. Every year he gets X number of, I think three weeks, four weeks, something for a vacation. Mm-hmm. And so a large piece of that is he'll drive out, set up camp, and then his wife and kids who don't like driving fly out. They camp with him for a couple of weeks. They fly home. And then he takes his last week to like find next year's spot. Yeah, that makes sense. And so his buddy had told him like, oh, you got to go to Ashley Twin. And at the end of the road, there's a campground and it's great. Well, Ashley Twin does not have a campground at the end of the road. <laughs> That's kind of like that ninth green at nine joke, right? right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so he, uh, I was asking him as we're driving up. Cause I mean, we're talking your max speed is two or three miles an hour getting in here. I mean, it's bad. And I was like, at what point did you think maybe, you know, cause it just gets worse and worse and worse. He's like, oh man, it honestly never even crossed my mind. <laughs> and so like we get all the way into the end of the road and I'm like, where's your trailer? And he points back. He's like, oh, it's back there. And I'm like, dude. So this dude had gone beyond the end of the road up onto a levee oh my God. and then drove out to the end of the levee where it just ended in trees and uh anyway he was just like yeah he's like i thought maybe he's like i got in here i'm like there's no campground and he's like oh then he saw this road up onto the levee which is really more like atv trail and uh he's like maybe it's at the end of that and so he drives along the levee pulling this trailer in there gets stuck anyway he had you know a week to figure it out and he's like it's a gorgeous spot which it is i mean it's amazing um but anyway long story short it was like a five six hour recovery like inch by inch getting this thing i mean we had ropes set up and logs to use as sliders to turn this thing around and i mean it was crazy but it was it was awesome and he was a cool dude and we had a great time you know just hanging out i mean we didn't even know each other you know when we met in the morning and so just lots of stuff like that. We got the trailer out. He went on his way. It was great. What is it about the suck, right? Like when you're doing something like that with vehicle recovery and you're just getting covered in mud or you like, you, oh, yeah. lo- you lose your boot or both of you lose your boot. Like people would think that it's, it's not fun, but number one, it's fun. You, you definitely laugh with people along oh, yeah. the way. Cause that's one of the only ways you can kind of handle it. Um, and I think kind of going back to what we alluded to, earlier in the podcast, you and Clay Croft from oh, yeah. uh, Expedition Overland, you've got a lot of experience doing that because you guys are buddies yeah. and I know you go coyote hunting and things like oh, yeah. that. So uh, so let's talk about vehicle recovery because I'm assuming that's a common call or common response that you have. Yeah. So number one, uh, vehicle recovery, like let's just identify it. Let's talk about some gear and let's talk about some common mistakes. So 
recovery is basically when your vehicle is not making any more forward progress. You're right. stuck in the mud or you're high centered or, or whatever. Um, it could be also your battery dies. It could be that you have a flat. Um, what else are we missing there? So flat battery. Those are really the big ones. Okay. Yeah. So now what gear, cause I know your vehicle, number one, it's awesome in that you are equipped. Like if anyone wants to see what you should carry into the backcountry, talk to a forestry service guy. They probably have the gear that they need to self recover or recover you. What do you carry for all those? Uh, I mean, you have a flat kit, I'm sure. Yep. And then battery pack for your vehicle. I don't, I've got jumper cables. Dude, I got to so get So the battery you. pack is on the list. Okay. You got to get one yeah. of those NOCO battery packs because okay. those things are awesome. Yeah. Um, but then I'll, uh, you've got traction boards. Yep. And then a, a whole slew of things like come alongs and things like that, right? Yeah. I got air compressor, the traction pads, uh, ARB toe straps, shackles. Which air compressor are you running? It's the ARB. It Just, is? It's in like a toolbox type size thing that's one thing that i need to get like i know mikey hernandez who runs our mobility division he's got the full like air compressor in the back or uh, air tank in the back of his vehicle and, yeah and it's like i don't want to take up that much space but i will get an air compressor that i can hook up to a battery and you know right. i'm good with that because it's also portable too and if i am not necessarily going over landing or or four four wheeling and i'm just doing a road trip i can take it out and i don't have right. to dismount a, a tank so uh what are some of the common reasons or common things that you've seen with people getting stuck that you can say, Hey, by the way, if you're visiting the forest, don't do this because that makes you a dumbass, And it means that I've got to come out and get you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I hesitate to even say they're a dumbass. I mean, but, okay. So like, don't do this. You yeah. probably could have been smarter. That'll sure. be more polite. Yeah, if you don't want to get stuck, if you don't want to get stuck, I mean, if you're looking for adventure, go for it. But if you don't want to get stuck, the biggest one is, is snow drifts. Really? Like people see, you know, it's usually late season. Sometimes it's early season, but the snow is usually soft enough for early season that you can kind of power through it. But you get that late season, like, uh, I guess around here, it's probably like April to June up in the high country. Like most of the roads are melted off, but you'll mm -hmm. have these little bands of snow and, a lot of times those bands of snow are still there because it's deep snow and it's not melting out because there's some low ground or whatever, or it's shaded or whatever. Um, and so people think, you know, they look at it and they're like, Oh, it's, you know, 50 feet. Like it's not that far. I'll just give her the onion and, oh, damn. and punch across. And it frequently doesn't work out that way. So yeah. I'll find them sitting on their frame and <laughs> I gotta, I gotta kind of throw one of my buddies under the bus. Uh, Mike O'Brien, he runs fly fish with me, Utah. If you guys are coming to Heber, come hang out with Mike O'Brien. He knows how to butcher animals. He's an awesome fishing guide. The dude is a, it, to use one of his favorite words, he's rad, just a good, good guy. So I'm going to throw him under the bus here. It's uh, December 31st, 2021. And I get a text message from Mike O'Brien and he goes, Hey, I need you. I'm like, okay, what's going on? He goes, I'm stuck. You're the first person I wanted to call. So I go and this is through Provo Canyon. Uh, same thing, snow drift. He pulls his F-150 with a big cap off the road and he gets onto the snow drift and now the back end of the vehicle sinks into the snow and the pavement was so steep and the, the vehicle sunk so low that he, his wheels weren't engaging. So he's like, I got to get out of here. Now on the other side of this road, it is a steep incline down to the Provo river. So I get there and I'm like, all right, let's try the max tracks. So we use the max tracks. 
we get a little bit of traction, he gets in a better spot. Then I break out the, the toe strap and with a com combination of shoveling the max tracks and the toe strap, we finally get him out that day. He went home and he bought max tracks. He said, I can't believe something that simple could have gotten me in trouble for so long. Yeah. And people scoff when they're like, Oh, max tracks are what? 300 bucks, 500. If you get the extreme version, but how much would it cost if you don't have like a roadside service to get a wrecker out there? They're going to charge you an arm and a leg. Yeah. Or you're going to have to buy your buddy a, a hell of a six pack and a good dinner or something. Like it, it's just good insurance. I mean, you and Clay from, again, Ex Expedition Overland, you guys have done some crazy stuff with airbags and oh, yeah. you know all that. Aside from those items, is there anything else that you're like, hey, get one of these it's gonna save you a lot of hardship as far as vehicle recovery no i mean the big one is is the the traction doors and uh a compressor is great but at the end of the day like a solid air down tool i would say is a good one yeah. one that you can you know reliably like take your tires down to a good pressure you can get out on low pressure you, you know you may have to drive slow once you hit the hard ball to get back to an air compressor if you don't mm -hmm. have one it's nice being able to get back to the hardball and air back up right there, but certainly not needed. Um, so a good air down tool and traction boards will get you out of a lot. Hey guys, we're just going to take a quick break from our podcast just to bring you one of our sponsors. Element is that sponsor. Uh, that is L-M-N-T. The letters L-M-N-T. The website is http colon forward slash forward slash drink L-M-N-T dot com forward slash fieldcraft. You're going to get a free sample pack. All you have to do is just pay shipping. And this is a drink that we've had at the Fieldcraft office now for a while, right? I've been out here for a couple of years and I've seen it come and go in terms of it gets stocked. Everyone drinks it, it goes and it comes back and we just keep drinking it. Um, Element gives you electrolytes back to your system after a crazy workout. Uh, the past few weeks, I've been doing a lot of very long distance hikes over here. And there's no doubt about it. When you drink element after you've sweat out a bunch of liquid, it's like a light switch. You get those uh, electrolytes back, you get your salt back, and you can just keep going and going and going. If you guys are doing the keto diet, you can drink element because there are very few net carbs. And it's a great way to just stay hydrated. Now it's going to help you retain the water that you need. So you don't get dehydrated, zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients, zero coloring. Uh, a lot of professional athletes in the NBA and NFL use it uh, as well as, uh, you know, a lot of the tier one groups, various seal teams, uh, Marines, sniper teams, and so forth. So please check out element. Uh, again, that's drinkelement.com. Uh, You'll get that sample pack totally risk-free and you can return the sample pack. Uh, no questions asked if you don't like it. So they have a no BS policy. We love it. I'm telling you right now, I drink it all the time. I'm constantly grabbing packets from the office, throwing them in my rucksack for those hikes. I love it. I swear by it. Guys, uh, please check out drinkelement.com forward slash fieldcraft. Back to the show. Now let's talk about well, you were going to say something. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I've had way too much coffee. <laughs> you're Sorry. good. What well, was I going to say? I don't know. You said Aerodon Tool Max Tracks, and it seemed like you were going to say something else. I totally screwed the flow oh. of your, your... No. No? That's, right. that's pretty much it. All right. See? I, I'm, I'm so close to that dick punch right now. I'm going to do it again. All right. <laughs> so um, 
you and Clay are, are big coyote hunters. And I know you've got a background with hunting and fit, like you're an outdoorsman. Um, and you guys take it to a new level, right? And we talked about the concept of coyote hunting, which we can just talk about it in general. Everyone wants to go whitetail hunting or they want to go pheasant hunting or they want to go uh, and they want to do small game hunting. But there's something to be said about coyote hunting. Oh, yeah. Because you're dealing with a predator. You're dealing with something that is used to killing as opposed, and I'm not talking about like, you know, killing plants and eating them. Like this animal hunts and it kills, you're, you're hunting a hunter. Yeah. An what adaptable it, hunter. Oh, talk about that for a second. Cause so they will be, they can be educated. They're such incredible animals. Um, but yeah, like up at Clay's family ranch, like the ranch hands are always shooting at the coyotes. So those coyotes catch one whiff of a human. If they see a truck stop, anything they're gone. And so you're, you're, uh, hunting an animal that like, if they get away from you, you just taught them a lesson Yes, and they don't seem to forget those lessons. So yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a great challenge. And you guys like calling them in close. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, I think some folks have an aversion to to hunting coyotes because they're like, Oh, but it's a dog. It's like, hold on. You can have a pit bull. You can have a chihuahua. You can have a Malinois. You can have a coyote. They're all dogs, but they're not all the same. Right. And if you spend any time with a farmer and ask them, how do you feel about coyotes? And if they have chickens or livestock, they're going to tell you, I hate every one of them. Right. I think many times when people say, Hey, don't hunt coyote. They're thinking, Oh, you're wasting the meat. Well, (laughs) those coyotes will eat their own. Oh yeah. You know? And Oh, you just leave them there. That's so inhumane. Well, you know what else is inhumane is letting that animal destroy the livelihood of a person. And I've taken flack for this over the years and I don't care. I mean, (laughs) I always say this, I always preface this. The people whose opinion matter to me are my friends and family, strangers that tell me, Hey, you shouldn't do that. I don't care about you. Um, I have no problem shooting a coyote because I know what they can do to people and people's lives are more important than animals. Don't get me wrong. I am not for any animal cruelty. I will shoot that coyote as accurately as possible sure. to put it out of its misery, um, to, to drop it out with one shot. But my God, uh, these animals, you know, when, when people say, Oh, don't show, don't hunt coyotes, go please talk to a farmer and, and ask them the last time a, a coyote took one of their livestock, you know? And if, if we're talking about certain animals, that could be hundreds of dollars, Sure, you know? And yeah. Who knows what you could have used that hundreds of dollars for with your family. Um, now here's a kind of related, unrelated kind of whatever question. Um, so <laughs> this past weekend I was down at Gunsight, and this is going to kind of jump back to, uh, something. And I want to, I want to reveal something to you that I don't think you saw. Um, I was at Gunsight this past weekend. And when we were on that ride along, you were, you and I were talking about your, your time in the Marine Corps. And you said, Hey, you know, we had this great guy. His name was Freddie Blish. And I was like, I know Freddie Blish. Uh, Freddie made my rifle for my, my safari in South Africa. He coded my guns that I took to Alaska. Like he recommended me for the Jeff Cooper Memorial scholarship. Uh, I was like, I know. So we just started talking. Uh, well, I saw Freddie this weekend and he immediately remembered your name because he was your Colonel overseas. He was my CO on my, well, so I don't believe he deployed with us, but for the workup prior to my first deployment, he was my CO. Well, he wanted me to convey a message to you, which I haven't told you since we talked. 
uh, he said, Kevin, because uh, I, I did this whole thing on, on Facebook. I said, you know, how Freddie basically connected me with a, a whole bunch of folks and, you know, I respect the man. Uh, and then he replied to that post on, on Facebook, which by the way, if you guys are a stranger on Facebook and you try to friend me, I'm not going to accept you. I'm trying to get away from Facebook and I'm going to do like a giant culling of all the, the weirdos that are just not friends or family. So, uh, in any case, Freddie replied on Facebook and he said, uh, Kevin, your comments are too kind. I am honored by them, but more importantly, extremely happy that I was able to assist on your journey. I look forward to the next time we meet. Here we go. Please give my best to the former Marine and conservation officer. Tell him about the Gunsight Vets 250 and 223 classes. They are available next summer. So these courses, Gunsight Vets 250, um, I'll share this with you later on, um, but it says here, Gunsight is proud to again offer a free Veterans 250 pistol and free Veterans 223 carbine course to veterans of the current wars. Um, so I'll give you all this information. That's awesome. But when Freddie says, hey, tell him about it, it's more like you better tell him about it. Right. You know, he'll say it with a smile, but you're, oh, yeah. you're dealing with a very capable individual. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it was just one of those, those cool things. I I know that you're into training. Um, I know that you are, are definitely someone who would jump on that. So yeah. that's coming up. Awesome. Now, for the folks that want to get into what you're doing what would you recommend for like a career path for them? Like, how do you become who you are? Cause we have listeners that are in like pre-military tracks, pre-law enforcement tracks. Uh, maybe they're an outdoorsman. That's like, Hey, I want to protect the environment that I've grown up loving. If you could create like the roadmap for someone to become a forestry cop, what is it? Uh, there's, there's really quite a few ways you can get in. I mean, there's, there's internship programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously that's pretty uh, limited on how many people they take mm -hmm. each year. But um, I'd say probably the veteran thing goes a long way. Um, if you have prior military service, uh, you just get, you get extra points towards the hiring. Um, you don't necessarily need to have traditional law enforcement background, but it certainly helps. Um, I would say it helps you almost more just once you're in more than it helps you mm -hmm. get in, in the first place. Um, just cause it is a small program and, um, even through your field training, there's limited opportunities for exposure to, um, all the things you might come across. Yeah. So having that background in law enforcement, it doesn't need to be anything crazy. I mean, for me, I did five years as a deputy. Um, really if you had two or three years in traditional law enforcement, you'd be plenty set up. Um, but yeah, um, I'd say the, probably your best bet for getting in is just going and, and getting some ride alongs in and making connections with guys that are in the job. Um, and just asking a ton of questions. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest part is, is there's a lot of people say they want to do the job, but don't put forth the effort to educate themselves on the job. You mean they're entitled? They think that they should just be given the job. <laughs> right. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it goes a long way for, you know, the hiring authorities, which mm -hmm. is generally captains, but there's usually an LEO, at least an LEO or, or, uh, maybe even two on, on a hiring panel. Um, and frequently there's, there's local law enforcement sitting in on the hiring panel as well. They may not be asking questions or anything, but they're mm -hmm. listening to your answers and everything. So 
you certainly want to come across as, as well-educated on the topic and, and understand the job. Cause you don't just want to, I mean, it, this isn't a high speed. I mean, there's, there's forests, I guess, that are running and gunning pretty good, but as a general rule, it's not super high speed. Um, and there's, there's a differentiation too, right? Like when you go to a national park and there's that guy at the gate and he's got what looks to be a badge, but he doesn't have a duty belt on. Right. That's a diff. that might be a, what park ranger. Yeah. National parks are a whole different beast. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, I mean, um, I, I've never worked for the park service, so I'm not totally up to speed on what all their uniform items are and everything, but we do like, even in the forest service, we've got forest protection officers who have a badge it's different than mine but it's mm-hmm. it's it's a forest service badge and they are authorized to to write tickets for uh more of the minor offenses um if there's drugs alcohol guns anything like that involved they're they're not supposed to, and they can't make traffic stops or anything like that but is, um is that a common problem uh because i know back east where i'm from I've talked to some conservation officers that have said, oh, we found like an illegal still or we found a like a a plot of land that was growing. Someone has grown weed. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if Utah really has something like that, but have you ever found anything where you're like, this is just strange when Um, someone growing something illegal? I haven't here. No, Um, I know it does happen. I mean, southern Utah in particular used to have a lot of the cartel grows. Southern Utah. So we're talking like, uh, uh, down by what the hell is that? Uh, St. George. Like, yeah. Kind of down in that area. Yeah. And Nevada has a lot. Um, and so that's some, that's another component of the job as we go in and clean up those sites or take down those sites or whatever. So one of the things that you mentioned again about the awareness of the job, I, I was not aware of in between the first podcast we did and this one, you spent a whole bunch of time in California, basically, acting like like law enforcement to protect property when people had to mandatory evacuate right uh yeah more or less i mean i i did a it's a security detail for the wildfire so we're just kind of patrolling looking for you know people that are having fires during the restrictions or um just issues involving the forest Mm mm-hmm um, but then we also, like, I spent some time sitting on a closure for like the investigating, you know, investigation team, um, sitting on the closure, just making sure people couldn't get in there and mess with the scene. Um, and then I helped out with a couple of smaller investigations that were down there, um, where you're actually in the black, like trying to figure out exactly what caused the fire and all that kind of stuff. So it's diverse. I mean, every day is you just never know what you're going to get into, man. Yeah. I'll tell you something. Those wildfires are freakish. Uh, the property that we have access to that we run our mobility experience on. And I do my two day survival class out here on, uh, in 2018 or 2019, it burnt bad. It was actually, it was actually a forest service fire that got out of control. Uh, so eh, it happens, it does. Um, but we saw a photo of what that place looked like from above. And the owner of the property said when he flew over it, he took the photo. He's like, it looked like the ground was bubbling. He said it was so crazy how large that fire grew to and how fierce it was burning. But I mean, here we are three or four years later and that land, yes, there are scarred trees on it, but the growth is coming up again and it's, it's healing itself, you know? Yeah. So, um, I know that that affected the population of like the rattlesnakes in the area and the, the, 
the rabbits in the area and whatnot. So when people are like, oh, it's just a fire, it'll regrow. Guys, keep in mind, like be smart when you go out in the great outdoors. Don't light fires you can't put out and uh, realize that if it does go wild, you're probably going to be on the hook for, I mean, that's usually the case, right? Like if you're responsible, yeah. you're yeah. going to pay for the response. You can be for you sure. You can be, right? Yeah. Damn. It all goes to court and everything, but yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for people to be found at fault and be on the hook for that bill. Yeah. And even, I mean, I know in California, there was one wildfire that was started by a guy, I think it was fireworks and a person died and he was responsible for manslaughter. Oh yeah. And I was like, damn, really? Because you know, it, it all gets traced back. How did it start? What was the cause? You know? Um, so we've been talking about you. We've been talking about a little bit of your background. We've been talking about the job. Let's talk about the forest because one thing that was very apparent on that ride along was that you love the area that you're in. You're like, dude, you got to see this. You got to check this out. And there's a blog. I don't know if by the time that this podcast comes out, it's going to be out or if it will be coming out where I wrote things to do around Fieldcraft survival. And I talked about park city gun club. I talked about going to the local restaurants. I talked about using Wallsburg for shooting range going like uh, going to the fifth water hot springs. But if someone wanted to come into Fieldcraft Survival, take a course, but then say, hey, I want to go out to the Ashley. Sure. What are some of the places that you're like, you need to see this. Here's why. Man, are you talking for just. Yeah, whatever. Like just like site trip type stuff yeah, or day camping trip or, or, okay. or hiking or whatever. Uh, we did Red Canyon Overlook. That's mm-hmm. a really good one. Um, it's it's just gorgeous up there. There, It may still be closed. There, um, all those guardrails that yeah. I'm sure you're. You remember? Yeah. Uh, those were starting to, you know, come to the end of their life. And so they've been replacing those the past couple months, but um, it should be opening up here pretty soon. Um, the Green River, I mean, you can rent a raft for, it's not too much. I want to say it was 40 bucks a day or something like that and just go float A section. Uh, there's some, it's not like major rapids, but there's some good rapids on there. Um, we got all kinds of caves. I mean, there's, the Brush Creek Caves, and you obviously mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. From your family history. But um, yeah, we got the caves. There's guard stations you can rent, there's yurts you can rent. Um, we got all kinds of like off highway vehicle stuff, whether it's dirt bikes or side by sides or Jeeps. And um, the vernal area's got, it's got a lot to do. And that was about what, 90 minutes away? from here or two hours uh, from here. It's a little over two hours, a little yeah. over two. So yeah. guys just wake up early and go there. Um, you know, it's interesting. You're driving out past strawberry reservoir. Like there's so much to see also along the way. It's not like you're driving through just an expanse of land with nothing to do. So if you're coming to Fieldcraft here in Heber city, you can stay local. You can go just the outskirts. You can push even further that way. I mean, Utah is a land of just amazing recreation. And, uh, you know, even though I'm, I don't know if you're going to hear this by the time that I've gone, but I'm moving to North Carolina to work with Peelcraft East. I'll still be back here and I'll try to extend my vacation to keep going to these spots because I've learned to love the fishing out here and, and the ability to just camp anywhere you want. Um, so now other things, like if you were to say like, um, you know, you should go here, go there. I want to, I want to talk about, like, okay, they, they go to the Ashley. Um, how much time do you think a person needs there? Because I mean, Oh geez. Yeah. yeah. How much time do you think they need to like, you go out there, let's say they come and take a class on a Saturday. 
when should they plan to book their ticket out of Salt Lake City? I mean, you could go nuts with it if you want. I, I mean, it's like I said, everything from fishing and rafting to hiking, horseback, um, OHV stuff. I mean, you could you could burn a week there easy. I mean, it just I guess it depends on the resources you have and um, how much money you're wanting to spend on. Yeah, you know whether it's tours or trips or whatever, but. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, I, I want to get back out there. I still have my canoe in the the HQ warehouse. I want to take it to you know the, yeah. the gorge, and uh, I've heard that's where they the literally the biggest fish are in the area, right? That's what you've heard of in the gorge. Yeah, um, there's they got some big ones. Um, I've heard uh, kind of the lower sections of the Green Rivers where all the like big old pigs are. Yeah, but I like pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, one, one last thing, and then uh, I'll let you go. I know, because you're going off to a training today, right? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of training is that? Just our fall qualifications. We're headed out to the front, and we'll do our shooting and defensive tactics and update training and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So. so now, people always wonder, and this is something that I know has gotten people in trouble. Um, you're in the woods. You're either hiking, you're fishing, you're hunting, you're doing something, and you're armed. Okay. So now if you're hunting, you might have a rifle with you or a shotgun. If you're hiking, you might have a chest holster or whatever. And you see the the guy in green, or in your case, the guy in tan walk up to you. What are some things that you should do? Like common protocol etiquette, because I am blown away when I hear from conservation friends, they're like, yeah, I arrested this guy. He had his hand on his, his holster just as a matter of habit. Mm-hmm. And it was freaking me out the whole time. Like, what are some common things that you should do? You meet a forestry cop, you meet a conservation cop, you meet a uh, wildlife cop, whatever it is, you get approached. Can we just like walk through, do this and you're going to be fine. Don't do this. And you'll probably raise suspicion, maybe get arrested. Yeah. Um, much like a lot of things, it's all, it's a lot of, it's going to be area dependent. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, my area is very much a rural area. So most of the cops in the area are, are really comfortable around firearms. Um, if you're not acting sketchy and you're not trying to touch your weapon, I probably am not even going to bring it up to you. Um, that being said, if you're get, you know, if you're acting weird, expect to be approached weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, if it's something you want to, you know, bring up right off the get go, you can always say, Hey officer, you know, I'm, I'm armed. Like, how would you like to proceed with this? Some officers are going to be like, you don't touch yours. I won't touch mine. Yeah. You know, and you know, other officers may be less comfortable with it. They may want, Hey, I'll just take it out of your holster. You know, we'll set it off here, you know, on the hood of your car or whatever. Um, some people are just have different preferences when it comes to that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not being confrontational and you're not being sketchy, I mean, we all know what a sketchy person looks like. Yeah. Just don't act like that and you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Stop looking at the their gun. Stop looking at the way that you're going to get away from them. You know, all that, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, oh, I forgot one more question. And, I, and by the way, I, this whole time I've been kind of like running a, a mental list of what we talked about the last time that were like my highlights. Freaking cats. I want to talk about mountain lion. Yeah. Um, because when we were out, you were saying, oh yeah, there's cats all over this area. And a couple of years ago, there's a video, I think it was Slate Creek, uh, 
down on the other side of the, the Wasatch range where a Hutker, uh, this is a guy from Blade HQ. I've actually met him. He saw a mountain lion, like a cub or is it a cub? No kitten, right? Or pup. What is it called? Mountain Honestly, lion. Honestly, I don't even know. Yeah, well, guys, Google it. <laughs> well, in any case, a baby mountain lion, he saw it. And the next, thing you know, the mama comes out and it starts pursuing him down the hill and it starts like, you know, displaying and he finally starts throwing rocks at it. But the whole time he's, he's cursing and whatnot. Well, everyone asked me when I got out here, they're like, have you seen a cat? Have you seen a cat? And I'll be honest with you in all my years of being in the outdoors. And I mean, we're talking places where I've definitely seen bear and I've definitely seen, uh, wolves, uh, up in Alaska, I've seen wolves all over the continental United States, seen bears. I've never seen a cat, mm-hmm. but they're out there. They are. What do you recommend? If someone sees a cat or how do you avoid getting stalked by a cat? Do you have any advice? Man, I don't know that you can necessarily avoid it. If the cat wants to stalk you, he's going <laughs> right, to stalk right. you. That, that, by the way, we did a great job of getting people out to Utah by saying, hey, come to the Flaming Gorge and check this right. out. We just scared the shit out of <laughs> probably everyone else. It's like, I am not going where cats are. Um, yeah. And I forgot what comedian it was, but he was like, yeah, you know, if you ever... If you ever want to freak someone out, don't say mountain lion. Just say lions. If you go to the, the the mountains, you're going to encounter lions. Mountain lion sounds too cute of a term, but if you were to say, "Hey, in the woods, you're going to find bear and lions," people yeah. will not leave their house. Yeah. Um, but you've never you've never had any calls for them, right? Like, no, I haven't had any. I haven't been called out to any cat issues, but um, and we've had a couple instances just this year on on my forest, one of my districts. Um, in fact, we had a, I think it was a, like a nephew and uncle type scenario. And I, I believe they were hunting separately, like not together mm-hmm. and both had run-ins with the cat in the same afternoon. Um, you know, or it, it just kind of came in on them. Like, I don't know if they were calling or what I didn't, um, I didn't directly work with these guys, but the, the state was letting me know, just giving me an update on it. And they, they had cats come in on them. I think the one guy shot a warning shot at it cause he didn't want to hurt the cat. He just wanted to get it away from him. And it, you know, it, it kind of took off a little bit, but he got out of there pretty quick. So yeah, there's, there's a video going around online too, of a guy who, uh, there's a, there's a cat looking at him, <clears throat> looking at him and, the camera, you know, he pulls out his gun. He's like, get away, get away, get away. And he's, he's talking at the right. cat and he's got his, I forgot what type of gun he had, but in any case it was a pistol and he's like, get away, get away. And next thing you know, the camera moves away from looking at the cat. He takes the shot. Camera comes back and he's like, that thing charged me. And I'm like, no, it didn't. That is in the exact same spot where it just was. And you, he's like, I shot it in the face. And it's like, wow, dude, you're awesome. That cat wasn't even moving. If that thing was moving, you shot it in the face. Good for you. But it was in the same exact spot. Um, if you do that, if you do shoot a predator, it's not like you guys can just like walk out of the woods and be like, oh, that's it. You know, cl- you know, clean your hands. There's going to be some type of investigation, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you've got it. Like you're discharging a, a firearm. Um, so guys, just make sure like keep your food you know, sealed up. Um, don't do anything stupid. Stay alert. Um, you know, the big joke with, you know, letting people know where you are in the woods or letting animals know where you are is like, Oh, we're, we're bear bells, you know, make noise, which that's true. But they always say like, Oh, bear bells, uh, just mean that the dinner is going to be the dinner bell. Right. You know, 
Dude, uh, we're running to about that time. Is there anything that we we didn't cover that you can think of from last time? Um, not really. No, not really. Right? Yeah. I, I like I said, I felt bad that that we lost the podcast, but I'm I think we did even better this time. Uh, it's always better when someone's in in the studio than over the phone. But uh, is there anything that you want to kind of leave the listeners with? Any last minute messages? Maybe a shout out to the the wife and the kiddos? I, I don't know. What, what do you want? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I guess I love, love seeing people come out to the woods. Um, I don't like seeing people get hurt in the woods or wind up having a bad day in the woods. So just prepare yourself, educate yourself. Um, if you're doing any kind of a sport, there's usually some kind of etiquette involved. Um, and so doing that research ahead of time, um, whether it's like, you know, if you're coming across horses, who's got right away, if you're going uphill versus coming downhill, mm-hmm. who's got right away, um, dig a hole when you're going to take a poop, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, there's just, there's etiquette. And so educate yourself on the etiquette and then prepare yourself, like take the basics in, have a decent amount of water, have some food, have some extra layers. It may be warm when you leave the truck, mm-hmm. likely not going to be warm when you come back to the truck. You know, so just kind of thinking through that stuff, which this this audience, they know that stuff. I mean, that's why they listen to you guys, because um, they're forward thinking people. But I guess to the audience members, we've all got that friend. Mm-hmm. Maybe take some time to educate that friend. Um, yeah, it's just you got to be prepared. It'll kill you quick. Now, normally I would say like, Hey, where can people find you? But obviously you're in law enforcement and I always, you know, try to protect you guys. I don't want anyone reaching out to you personally, but what websites should people go to for information on the Ashley or just any forest in general? Is it USF, USFS.org? Uh, no, it's, it'd be a .gov, but every, I mean, if you just get on any search engine and search the forest that you're wanting to go to, whether it's the Ashley or the you want to Wasatch cash, whatever, mm-hmm. look up the forest, just do a search for it. It'll pull up that forest's page. Every forest is going to have their own page. Yeah. The, then, the main page is www.fs.usda.gov. Yeah. And that'll be for the forest service broadly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that might not give you the information you're looking for, for a, a specific forest. Oh geez. Now here's another one. This is uh no, this is Forest Service Products Laboratory. I don't know what that's all about. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh, here we go. www.usa.gov forward slash federal hyphen agencies forward slash forest hyphen service. Guys, just go on USFS and Google. Type it in. You'll find where you need to go. Um, well, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy your training today. Shoot straight. And uh, I'll follow up with you on this Freddie Blish thing. So Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Uh, until next time. <laughs>